Revelations chapter 3. And uh, for this year, actually, as I've went through my notes, I've spent a lot of time preaching on the church, uh, about the church, what, what is uh, the church, and how to worship in the church. And, and this year, I, uh, I, I thought it to be uh, essential. Uh, I actually use that word in the title, church is essential, or church is necessary, I think I titled it. And then I preached uh, on Palm Sunday, of all things, preached on how to behave in the house of God, because that's what our Lord set right, right before His crucifixion, on how to behave in the house of God. And one of the things we learned about that is the children uh, were given opportunity to sing praise to the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. And as you see uh, the direction I'm going in, I want our children to sing. I want to take that time to allow them to lift their voice in praise and to get used to when they're coming to church, they're got, they have something to contribute. They have something. They have uh, something to be involved with. They're part of worship. And one of the things to remember about worship is that God is the audience. Now, we have changed church to where the people are the audience, and they're coming now for entertainment. But in, in the biblical church and worship is God is the audience. He's watching what we do. And so it's important during our singing part of our worship that we uh, make sure that we sing a joyful noise or make a joyful noise unto the Lord and that it is for the Lord. It's not for a show. It's not a Kent and Barbie show, but it's for Christ. And it is also to edify one another. You just don't know what kind of a week your brothers and sisters sitting here uh, this week have had. They might have had a bad week. Uh, sometimes that happens. But a song, maybe God will put a particular song on your heart. You'll sing it. It'll be such a blessing to someone that might have been thinking about hanging it up. And that's what the singing's about. But now let's get in again because I kind of want to finish this series out of Revelations chapter uh, 3 on a church here that God talks about called the Laodicean Church. And of course, I told Brother Will to uh, title it Halfway Baptist Church because I'm going to pick on Halfway Baptist because God here is clear to say that these people, they're not hot on fire for God and they're not cold. They're halfway, like half baked. How many in here like half baked pizza? Yeah, 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 nobody. Yeah, no. No. I, I mean, come on. You either want it hot or. I'll take it cold. Uh, I don't mind cold pizza. Now, to me, Little Caesar's pizza is not good cold. You can only eat it hot. But there, there's, well, homemade pizza is real good cold. <laughs> uh, but, but you can get away with cold pizza from uh, Pizza Hut. Uh, Papa John's, and they ain't nothing better. They'll get up the next morning, if there's any left over, uh, with uh, <laughs> some cold pizza and a big glass of milk. I mean, come on, it's great. And there ain't nothing better on a Friday night than uh, pizza and a chocolate milk, maybe chocolate milkshake. Yeah, no? Oh, okay. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. He got quiet on me like, oh, no, we don't do that stuff. Okay, well, I hope you're either drinking milk or pop and nothing else. All right, Revelations chapter 3. <laughs> yeah, you got that, didn't you? All right, you're paying attention. All right. Verse 14, Revelations chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. 
So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You say, what's God saying there? God says, it makes him sick. I uh, like what little Kinsley, as, as she, when she was a little younger, she'd, she'd say, ugh, bugs make me sick. And, and it's so cute. I think we got that on video somewhere. You know, puppy dogs make me sick. And, and so uh, broccoli make me sick. <laughs> you know, if it ain't chicken noogies or nuggies from McDonald's, and please, Lord, do not forget the honey mustard. I've had to go back and get honey mustard. To me, you know, it's no big deal. You know, dip them in ketchup. That's what I eat everything with. Not Kinsley. Honey mustard. Because ketchup make me sick. <laughs> You got it. And this is what got, I, I thought about that when I was putting this message together. And I, I, I got, a, I got a, a good time of humor uh, remembering when she did that, you know, bugs make me sick. And so this is what the Lord said. It makes him sick, uh, this type of a church. And he says, so sick that he just spits it out. <laughs> Has anybody ever thought you were getting ready to take a glass of iced tea and it was actually bacon grease? That, oh, yeah. You're talking about, bleh. yeah, you're going to spit that out. Okay, all right, all right, let me, let me. How about night, it's about 1030 at night, you think it's iced tea, and it's actually apple juice. You ever done that? Oh, and because you're, you're expecting iced tea, sweet I am expecting Jenny tea, and all of a sudden that, and it's in a glass, you know, you sit that in there, and, and you take it, and it's apple juice, that is a shock. And you know what happens to it? It gets spit out. And so that's what God's talking about here. It's not, it's not what it's supposed to be. And then he says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear, my voice and open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in the throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let us pray and then let's deliver. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us. Help us today as we take a look at this church. We do not want to be this Laodicean church. We would want to pattern ourselves after the Philadelphian church, the church of the open door. Lord, we see from Scripture that the Laodicean church is the church of the closed door. Lord, help us this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. One of the things I want to point out, uh, when you begin to look at what he wrote to these seven churches, there's only two times that he says uh, uh, that it was a, as under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. 
But if you looked at the church of Sardis, he says the church in Sardis. Uh, the other church that he says of instead of in was the church of Ephesus, which had left its first love. And a thought that I got was it looked like that the church had come under some corruption from outside and had come in and began to work a corruption. At least that's how it hits me with the Laodicean church because this is a church that is lukewarm. It has enough of Jesus to satisfy a craving for religion, but not enough for eternal life. The half-baked Christian has too much of the world. Listen to me now. The half-baked Christian has too much of the world to be happy in Jesus, but too much of Jesus to be happy in the world. That's a very miserable bunch of people. And if I've seen it once, I've seen it a hundred times. Christians today, they have no joy. They have no happiness. They're wretched and miserable. And it's because they got too much of the world to be happy in Jesus and too much, just enough of Jesus not to be happy in the world. You've probably heard it because I've heard it. They say, well, anytime I come to that church down there, preacher, I'm just uncomfortable. I know exactly what that means. Because I've been praying for you all week. You come under Holy Spirit conviction. You walk through that door. Any sin you're living in, any type of lifestyle you're doing that is against God and gets this book, I pray that the Holy Spirit get a hold of you and you get that thing right before you split hell wide open. God take it up with you. But that is that half-baked Christianity. Laodicean means the rule of the people. This is where the people rise up and they form God in their image. Now the Bible says that the child of God is to be conformed to the image of God, to the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, 28, 30, right in there. But today's Christian says, no, we're going to form God in our image. The age, what Laodicean means, the age of the rights of the people. Instead of God, it's a mob rule. This church is filled with lost people. Jesus is not in this church. If you was to catch that, there in verse 20, he says, I'm on the outside. I'm at the door trying to knock to get in. This church, if we are the body of Christ, the church it is the people. I've taught you that because it's biblical. Our church is not the four walls. It's not this property. It, it's not what God has given us. The church is you that are saved and blood-bought sitting in the pews. We can meet anywhere. We can assemble anywhere. We can assemble at the park. In the Bible, they assemble down by the riverside. I mean, you have some good services down there. You can, a lot of churches that the Bible talks about were in people's homes. But see, the church is the body of Christ. And the people are the church. It's filled and being run by lost people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And here Jesus stands at the heart's door and knocks as the preacher preaches on salvation. And then he's persecuted for it right in the church. As the preacher tries to take a stand for God, these lost church members who have crept in, who are in love with this world, they'll criticize the preacher, 
count their wealth, take their vacations, accuse the preacher of not doing enough around the church to make it grow. That's the age that we live in. I mean, I hear it all the time. My phone rings all the time uh, listening to pastors that are dealing with this very thing. The last place that a preacher should have persecution would be right in his own church, in his own flock. This church is made up of peoples whose attitude is, this is how they come to church. If anything happens here that I don't like, whether it's your fault, my fault, nobody's fault, I'm out of here. Hence, we come up with the phrase Jen did. I have to give her credit for it. Laodicean means lazy see ya. Out of here. That's what we call half-baked Baptist. And this countryside is full of that type of Christianity. God said that this church, it makes him sick. This type of a church should make us sick. And I find here in this passage of Scripture three things that we at Tree of Life Baptist Church need to be on guard against. We do not have to be a Laodicean church. It is the last church that you see before Revelation chapter 4, before the rapture happens. Now, I think... This is Todd Gabbard theology. I could be wrong. I think if you back up to verse 10, the Philadelphian church was the church of the open door. This is where great, uh, great sums of people were saved and brought to Christ. And churches popped up overnight all over this country. Country churches. Because there were so many people getting saved, they needed a place to assemble. But now we get over here. And we see this Laodicean church. Go back up to verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. The Philadelphian church practiced and kept the word of God. That's how they ran their congregations. That's how they lived their, their lives by the very word of God. He says, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. I believe that's the tribulation time period coming, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. But this Laodicean church will be the church that's here. That's why I made the comment, and I truly believe this because I believe it's biblical. It's made up of mostly lost people who are not going out in the rapture. I don't care how many, many memberships you have and how many times you've been baptized. If you are not blood-bought, you will be here going through the tribulation, and it's not going to be a fun time for you. This church, I believe, will march right in tune with the Antichrist. It's being prepared now because this is a phrase I keep hearing out of so-called Christians. Just let me live my life. Just let me be me. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says we need to be more like Christ. We have no business being me. Well, God, and here's the, here's the theology. Well, if I'm made in the image of God, and God made me who I am, then God's got to be happy with me. And after all, I'm a part of God, so let me be me and fulfill my life purpose. Yeah, and you'll go right to hell doing that because that is a false doctrine of a devil 
a devil's been whispering in your ear. And the Bible says that many would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We're to live like Christ. We're to be holy as he is holy. We're to be on fire and to do what he did in his life's ministry. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So let me give you three things here. Number one, it's a closed door church. You say, okay, what's that mean, preacher? Well, you would find this in verse 15, because he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou wert cold or hot. Verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That means the door is not open. It's a closed-door church. And what he's talking about is there's no gospel outreach outside the four walls. Nobody in the congregation is telling others about Christ. There's no tracts being passed out. There's no witnessing. Nobody's going because God commanded us to go. Ye, it's plural, not the pastor, not just a pastor. And that's why I said what I said in the opening statement. Most halfway Baptists are always complaining that the pastor is not doing enough around the church to make the church grow. When the whole time, the last time I checked, it's sheep that reproduce sheep. Not shepherds. You know what I'm supposed to be replacing and reproducing? Other shepherds, pastors, preachers. There he sits and train them to go out and to work for Christ in the field. But the half-baked Christian, the halfway Baptist, or church my way Christianity, is the church of the closed door. They're more concerned with their internal programs than lost souls. They have a club-like atmosphere. Come see our show. Come join our worship team. And learn our dance moves and put on a show. Doctrines does not matter. Standards are so old-fashioned. Let's look like the world to win the world. That's a philosophy. Have you heard that? Has anybody in here heard that? Well, I just want to look like the world so I can win the world. You will not find that in this Bible. That is not biblical. But that is a philosophy that is in, I'm picking on Baptist churches today. They say, well, preacher, I just want to look more like the world to win the world so the world is comfortable when it comes to our church. I'm sorry, all pious-like, like you've spent all night in prayer. Now, that's funny. I spent quite a bit time in prayer, and I didn't walk away from Christ with that philosophy. Matter of fact, you won't find that in the Scripture. The Bible says we need to lift up the standard. We need to show the world. They need to be able to come into our doors and come into our worship service, see how we're worshiping God and say, God is in you of a truth. You guys are different. But we're, <laughs> we've cooled off on God. You know, cool. Got to be cool. The church, you know, get this. The church was commanded to be in the world while not allowing the world to be in them. The church has been commanded to be in the world. That's the mission field. While at the same time keeping the world out of them. 
Think of it like this. A boat is designed to keep the water out, correct? I have one. <laughs> I have a boat. And you don't ever, ever want to forget to put the plug in in the back of the boat. I haven't done that yet. I have in years gone by, but not with that boat. Not on a 100-foot lake. Because I assure you, even though that boat was designed not to have the water in it, if it was to get in it, you're going to sink. Which, the first piece of equipment I put in there was a bilge pump. Actually, I was looking in there, there's three of them. You say, don't you have faith? <laughs> nope. <laughs> not that much. Because this big boy, he don't swim well. I even got me a nice life jacket that's nice and slim. I keep on me all the time. If it even thinks it touches water, it inflates. It's good. Why? So I don't hook myself. <laughs> I want to hook myself. <laughs> uh, that gets a little rough out there on that lake. I make sure I'm never on that boat if I'm not where I need to be with God. God can make up some pretty big storms. But the church is to be in the world, that's the mission field, while keeping the world out of the church. We should not look like the world. We should not act like the world. We should not smell like the world. That's not going to help you win the world. If you have nothing different than what they got, they're not going to want what you have. So it's a closed-door church. It's more concerned about what's going on internally. You hear it. I've heard it. Anytime somebody new comes in, it's like, what do you got here for me? I got anything you want. What do you want? Well, you know what they're saying? I want a ready-made church. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to be involved in anything. I want to come and be entertained. And if it ain't there, I'm out of here. Lazy. I'm lazy. See ya. Laodicean. I think it's filled with a bunch of lost people. But the second thing I see in this church, and I do not want us to be a Laodicean church, is it was a complacent church. Look at verse 17. They wasn't doing anything for God because this is what they said. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's called complacency. That means you're happy with where you're at. Well, look at me, preacher. God's got to be smiling on me. I've got everything I want. I got plenty of money. I got goods. And if I don't, when my parents die, they got it, I get it. And I don't need God. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we've got enough, and if we don't have in our bank account, Hey, we'll go down to the bank and we will get some money or we'll get a plastic card and we'll charge up the money. But I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I got everything my heart desires and I have need of nothing. Not even you, preacher, or the church or God. That's called complacency. God help us if we get to the point in our lives living here in America where we got this thinking that we just really don't need God. Because, after all, I've got plenty of money. I've got plenty of goods. Look at me. God must be blessing me. I told the Sunday school class uh, this morning on Wednesday night, the devil will pay you to keep you from serving God. 
I've seen many. If the devil can't get you through persecution, then he'll kill you by paying you off. See, he found out that not everybody's afraid of persecution. And the church grew under persecution. So you know what he started doing? Let's be friends. I'm your friend. I'm your friend to the bitter end. When you are down, who comes around? You, you know the little song they sing. And that's what the world, that's what the devil has done. And he began to pay Christians off to not engage ministry for Christ. And he'll be your friend to the bitter end there as long as you won't obey Christ. You might be saved, but you've been taken captive by Satan because you accepted a payoff. It's complacency. You don't need God. You need of nothing. You're in love with yourself. Look at me and my bad self. That's, that's right. That's how most people walk in, not us. But I'm, going to, I'm on the lookout. I'm on guard against this type of attitude in the church like we don't need God. We need God. We need God more today than we needed him yesterday, the day before, last year, 10 years from now. We need him more today, but yet our hearts are not hungry like they should be. Watch out for this complacency. And this type of a church, it does not love the work of God. Absolutely not. That's why they come with that spirit. And we were talking about sins of the spirit. With that attitude, if anything happens here, your fault, my fault, nobody's fault, I'm out of here. There's one thing that every preacher that I ever talked to, if I talk to him more than five minutes, he says, my church has a revolving door in the back. People come in, and they march right back out. You say, what is it? Laodicean. Laodicean, lazy, see ya, ain't doing nothing. Most people don't like small churches like us because now the fewer, fewer people you got, when you say, hey, the trash needs to be taken out, well, it's only going to be one of about four or five people. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to hide in that, ain't it? Yeah. It was a complacent church, but it was a verse 17 because I was having fun with C's. It's a cracked church. That means it's cray-cray. You know, you're familiar with that term. Look at verse 17. It says, Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. But he says, And knowest not that thou art, watch it, wretched and miserable. You know what that is? That's two synonyms for the word mental problems. Depressions. All types of mental uh, inflict, uh, afflictions. Now, sometimes you have those just because, like the Apostle Paul. You might have to go through some mental anguish. But most of this, this one, this church, this church group, because they don't need God. They're not going to do what God has said to do. They're a cracked church. It has a lot of mental problems in it. There's no spiritual discernment. This church has formed God in their own image. They want a God who is all mercy, but no justice. They want a God who is all love, but no wrath. They want a God who is all grace, but no judgment. 
They wanted God who is all accepting, but no rejecting. They wanted God who is, talks about all heaven, but no hell. That's a church that has a form of godliness. They have formed God into their own image. You're seeing that taking place in our country right before your eyes. We are trying to form God into our image. And it's based on this little thing called, if I'm in the image of God, I must be a part of God. And he loves my sin. No, no. No, God don't love your sin. And see, that's why they don't want preaching on the cross because the cross confronts man about a sin problem. Why did Christ die? It wasn't because he's having a good day. It wasn't just because he was just thought it was something cool to do. It's because God judges sin. God's against it. But boy, this church says, no, no, no. We want a God who's all mercy and no justice. We want a God who's all love. Just love, love, love. And they don't know the first thing about God's love. All love, but no wrath. You know what they're saying? God has no personality and no preference. You know what this Bible is full of? God has personality and God has preferences. Matter of fact, God even likes, uh, a manna was white. He likes white cake. He don't, he's not a chocolate cake eater. How do you know that? Manna was white. I don't know, but at least I know something about it. Maybe I'm not right. I don't think he's going to serve devil's food cake in heaven. You see what I mean? God has personality. He has preferences. But we deny God the right to choose. We deny God the right to have a preference, but yet we jump up and say, just let me do me. The preacher gets on you a little bit. Just let me live my life. Let me be me. Let me tell you something. You better start trying to be like Christ. I would start with getting saved. Because this church group I think is lost. Of course, I think a lot of people are lost. This, now let me give you a remedy. Because you don't have to be like this. And you say, well, I'm kind of going down that path, preacher. I didn't realize that. Let me give you a remedy. There is remedy. We do not have to be a Laodicean church in this last church age. We don't have to be that way. And I, we're not going to be that way. I want us to be a singing, shouting, praising church. I want us to be a hellfire and brimstone preaching church where we preach against sin, but we do so with compassion. We do so like Christ did to try to edify and to restore you and to reconcile you back to Christ. So we don't have to be laid to sin. So I'm not going to use it as a cop-out. Number one, Christ said, I counsel, verse 18. God says, let me give you some counsel. And he says, to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know what that is? Take him up the cross. The Lord said, if any man will follow me, he needs to take up his cross, right? That cross is a cross of redemptive suffering. Be willing to go through the trials for Jesus' sake. Take your Bible, turn to the left of 1 Peter. Let me give you a Bible scripture on it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. 
that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. See, God's counseling this group of people to buy some gold from him. And that's called the gold you get, you're putting up over there because you're going through fiery trials. Today's church member has no commitment to it. Any little thing goes wrong, they're out of here. They run off. Say, what is that? They don't want to put up with nothing. They don't want to go through any type of little trial. And if they do, they bail out on God. And God says, part of your problem is you won't take up your cross and follow him. And he says, the gold that perishes being tried with fire might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Nobody wants to put money in the bank for, for eternity. They want it all now. All of God's blessings are not material blessings. This church had a lot of material things, but it had no spiritual blessings, which was peace of mind. It was wretched and poor, blind and naked. I'd rather have God's spiritual blessings than the physical ones. Sometimes. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me tell you something. I'd rather have peace of mind and a clear mind than all the money in the world. You talk to any rich person that has a lot of money, they're always in a mental turmoil because they're afraid they're going to lose it. Been around a lot of them. I had a rich man, a millionaire, known a few of them. This one actually talked uh, to me, and he says, don't ever trade your family for money. Don't ever trade your family for money. He had traded his family for money and become very successful. And now he was almost at retirement. He had a daughter that didn't care to ever see him. And he had a wife, they're not even married no more. Because like she said, he'd sell me just to make a buck. He'd sell his own mother to make a dollar bill. And he told me, he said, don't trade your family for money. I think it was right. Then the Lord says, and white raiment that may be clothed. He says, get back to purity. White raiment is a sign of purity. Let me give you a little phrase. You need to put it down in your mind. If it was wrong 100 years ago, it's wrong today. If you don't get anything else, and you're trying as an individual because you want to make up your own mind, and, and I, I uh, encourage you to do that. If you're looking around at what's going on in Christendom and churches and what people are calling churches, if it was wrong a hundred years ago, it's still wrong. Same Bible, same God. Then what is going on in churches? No purity. They've thrown it out to try to win the world. And there's less souls saved today than ever before. The preacher said this at the preacher's fellowship I was in. We're in the gleaning, boys. You're going to have to work harder, and you're going to have to work longer just to get a few grapes. It's just like you had a garden. You got the first ripe green beans. You got a mess. But then all of a sudden, the main harvest come in. You had more green beans you knew what to do with. But then you had that gleaning. You just wanted one more mess of fresh green beans. And you went out there and you had to pick all day long just for a little mess. We're in the gleanings. We're going to have to work harder. We're going to have to work longer. 
just to see a little result. That's just the way it is. But it can still happen. We can still be like a Philadelphian church, the church of the open door. But we need to get back to purity, but we need to get back to Bible preaching and teaching. That's why he said that they needed to anoint their eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Today's Christian can't discern anything. Verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 says this in verse 13, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you back up to verse 12, he says, you should be teaching others the way of Christ, but you can't because you've got to be taught again because you don't know anything about your Bible. God said these are three things you need to do. Let's go back to Revelations. Because he says we can overcome this Laodicean spirit, look with me, verse 21, to him that overcometh, there it is. We can be overcomers in this last day. We do not have to be Laodicean around here. We do not have to be half-baked around here. We can be on fire for God. We can be excited just to tell others about Jesus. Whether it's them watching us, looking at us, but I encourage you, you need to open your mouth up a little bit and say, hey, how are you? Do you know the Lord? So I wouldn't know what to say. Then you need to learn. I can teach you a soul winner's uh, program or soul winners uh, course you say well <laughs> I'm still back I'm bashful not if you have a driver's license you ain't if you're brave enough to face those people down there <laughs> you're all right yeah right. the point is worst case scenario is just tell them to come to your church hey you need to come visit our church you need to be around with our people. We're family-oriented. You know, the biggest thing I hear today out of people looking for churches, we don't feel like we're a part of nothing. We come. Nobody wants to work with us. Nobody wants to work with my children. Hey, children's ministry is important. These children, let me tell you something. Rome wasn't built in a day. You want your kids in church when you pass off the scene? You want your children to serve God when they leave home? Then get them involved now. I'm going to tell you something. It's important. It's important. Let me give you a testimony in closing. I was an eight-year-old boy. Now, I remember this like it was yesterday. Little boy went to People's Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Lester Roloff. He preached that night. Man, I was so amazed at that man and the power of that man. I'm just eight. Eight, I'm nine. Eight, I was eight. After the services, everybody kind of walked out and they, they were just milling around. And I walked up. I was an eight-year-old child. And I walked up and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to, I just, I wanted to be close to that preacher. I wanted to say something to him. And I didn't know how to approach him. And he was sitting here after the service. He was going through his Bible. I walked up on that side, and he seen me. And I turned around to walk away because I didn't know what to do. 
And he says, hey, son, son, son. And he stopped. He put everything down. He says, come here, come here. He says, what can I do for you? And I said, I wanted to say hi. You know what Brother Lester Roloff did? He took me in his arms and he hugged me. And he says, this preacher loves you. He says, you stay in there. Serve God. There's been many a times I've been down and out in my life. And I remember what that preacher, he didn't have to do that. He was approachable. And he hugged this eight-year-old little boy and said, this preacher loves you. Serve God. I've never forgotten it. Folks, I'm telling you, it's the little things we do for the little people that will have big impacts on their life for years to come. Let's stand. We do not have to be Laodicean. Just one simple act of kindness. I tell everybody that story. And God used it to encourage me many, many times. Song of invitation, please.